TTB Music Podcast. Hello. Um, strange, because actually, it's oh. a press recorder, and we can't, we, we, can't, we can't hear the theme tune in the background. It's kind of odd. Excellent. And the, the little thing is saying we're doing it's the little, little thing, thing doing the thing where it says we're actually talking. Yeah. Excellent. Apparently, so, well, so let's just press on, Jenny. So that's, <laughs> that's a good start. <laughs> Hello again for two... Uh, blah, 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 blah. And that as well. Do you want to try that again? Yeah, this is where I should go back and edit this, but clearly... Now keep it in. Keep we're it. not going to do that, because no, it's typical it. hard work. Hello, welcome to the 11th podcast of the year and uh, our last proper albums one although there will be some albums in the next podcast as well but they'll be Christmassy themed yes I know more Christmas records who can't wait for another version of Little Drummer Boy and things like that that most people first Christmas record I heard this year about two weeks ago seemed appropriate actually with it being Bowie yeah (laughs) or Bowie 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 um yeah, so this time we're up, we've got latest albums from, from Sting, latest album from Robin Williams, uh, latest from Simple Minds, latest from Honeyblood, latest from Little Mix, and finally the latest from Metallica. So without further ado, we shall go on to uh, Sting with 57th and 9th. Um, the follow-up to... The follow-up to the last Sting album. <laughs> Strangely <laughs> enough. <laughs> It's just so smooth these days, isn't it? It's, yeah. just like, it's apparently it's his 12th solo album. And, um, I, think, I think we're going backwards. But yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and we actually reviewed the last one, bizarre, bizarre, bizarrely. Yeah. Um, which, surprisingly, was a kind of musical, I did literally a musical. It was. Don't think. And surprisingly, we quite enjoyed it. Despite our slight preconception well, of going, in, to skin. going, skin going, going skin. into it beforehand. Yeah. So, has that love for Sting continued or not, Pete? Um... There are elements of this album that I really enjoyed because it reminded me, uh, in 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 some ways, of that sort of folksy uh, northern, as in sort of Northumbrian vibe that he was deeply, deeply delving into on that last album. Yes, around which he based his musical, and I'm thinking particularly of, of tracks, uh, the sort of the last two or three tracks, particularly heading south on the Great North Road. Yeah. Um, as, as, and actually, that's a really nice song as well. It is a lovely song. Um, very biographical in terms of in terms of his career. And there's a couple of songs like this, like that, on this album, um, where he clearly it's very retrospective in terms of. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like it's almost like condensing his solo years into a couple of the tracks on it. Yeah, though, isn't it? yeah into an album, and um, and sort of sort of looking at um, presenting presenting it anew. Anyway, um, so overall, let's start from the top. Overall, um, this album rewards on repeated listens because the first time I listened through to it, I'll be really honest with you, I found it quite dour and, yeah. and quite hard going, in fact. Um, it lacks some of the levity, I think, of that last album around uh, around which the musical was based. And um, <laughs> The levity around the, ship, the decline of the shipyard. The decline <laughs> of the shipyard was actually quite humorous. Um, no, not at all, but, but there was some levity there. Whereas this does seem kind of a bit more one tone, one paced on first listen. But actually, repeated list of reward, um, as always. And there's a lot here for your regular Sting fan. And, and if 
by some bizarre reason you'd never heard of Sting and bought that last album, I think there's enough here to reward as well. Yeah, I, it's, it's, in, it's an interesting re- re- record, I think you're really right, because as, as I said, I, I thought it was kind of, for me it sounded like half, half a, I'm trying to remind people that I was, which is a band called The Police, and yes. I can still do that kind of music. Yes. Obviously, the, the lead-off track and lead-off single, I Can't Stop Thinking About You, could have been on it, most police it's, it's, it's almost like a, I'll come to this later. It's almost like an acoustic version of a of a police track. Hmm. You know. Yeah, and there, there is there is some some of some of that. So you've got that, and I suppose stuff like down down down, and maybe even if you you can't love me, could have conceivably been mm. on kind of police police albums. Mm. Then, as you say, you've got the kind of stuff that is definitely looking back on the kind of stuff you, you you would associate musical stylings with his solo stuff, so Heading Seth and on the Great North Road, Pretty Young Soldier in a similar kind of vein. And even actually even stuff like One Fine Day, which mm. also the kind of thing that would not be out of place on your traditional Sting album. Interestingly, uh the song uh Fifty Thousand is uh kind of owed to various rock stars we've yeah. Lost over over the over the years, yeah, so it kind of true. does that whole rock stars don't ever die; they only fade away kind of mm. line, and looks at basically a nod to Prince, Bowie, mm. and Lemmy, uh, who we will come to later on in the <laughs> in the in the podcast as well. Mm. Um, so I agree. I think I think it's a it's a I'm sorry, like nick your line. I think it's a solid record. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I believe it is, uh, and um, as I say, it does reward on repeated listen, and um, he does cover some quite good, some quite interesting topics in this, and uh, and here we have an immediate reaction to uh, twenty sixteen. Yeah, and there's also some good good uh, people on the album as well. So Vinnie Coluta, who uh, started off his his drumming with Frank Zappa's band, is in here. And Lyle Workman, who was a member of Bourgeois Tag, mm-hmm. and Ping Alert, was also in <laughs> Todd Lindgren's touring band for a few years. Sorry, I don't know where that machine's gone. I know, our pingometer of uh, <laughs> pings has disappeared. So, moving swiftly on to, uh, that's, I said that was the 12th set album from um, Sting. Um, taking that into account, it's somewhat amazing, perhaps even frightening, that this is oh, Robbie right. Williams' 11th solo album yeah uh, heavy entertainment show uh, and it has been a few years since the last one so that's quite uh, interesting even in that sense this is a kind of weird album it is. I, I found this a weird album in lots mm-hmm. of ways it's basically all over the shop um, and it's but it's similarly to the Sting album in some ways it's like we're kind of visiting all points Robbie yeah of his solo career so it's kind of like almost the greatest hits musical stylings wise of what he's done since he's gone solo. Yeah. Um, on the plus side, Guy Chambers is uh, involved in most of the songs most. and most of the producing, although Simon Price, who uh, we last discussed when he produced one of the recent Pet Shop Boys albums, um, also involved in a couple of things. So on the, pl- on the positive side, there's some, there's, some, there's some fun stuff. So, you know, Party Like a Russian, which is just bonkers and daft uh, and I hated the first time I heard it but now quite like uh, it's fine but then you've got other really silly things like uh, the not radio friendly motherfucker <laughs> which is a song for his daughter of all things yeah. basically saying yeah your dad's a brat your mom's a brat your whole family's 
bunch of nutters. Um, but it's a bit crap, frankly, mm. despite the fact of some Oasis styly guitars yeah. appearing appearing in there, which is quite funny because towards the on the, the last proper track on the on the non deluxe version, sensational. Um, there's a kind of Liam Gallagher impersonation on the vocals at the end. I kind of thought as well. Um, elsewhere, you've got the usual kind of you know keyboards based pop balladry in "Love My Life," David's song. Uh, David's song's interesting from a songwriting point of view again because um, Jewel, who had a uh, hit with um, what was that song that Jewel had? Um, you were meant for me back in kind of uh, mid nineties. Ed Sheeran also crops up as a songwriter on one of the tracks as well. Uh, although I think that's on Pretty Woman, which I didn't really like. Uh, one of the most amusing bits of the record for me was the... Uh, uh, I think it's... Does it drag me down? No, Bruce Lee. Which is just reminded me of ELO. Mm. Um, not that it's in a bad way. It's quite, no. quite, it's quite, a, quite fun. And you notice I've avoided mentioning the, the Killers song. Yes. Um, which is <laughs> it was weird I heard it on the, I heard it on the radio actually before before we started doing this and, I, and it was on the radio I think Radio 2 played it at some point and I, I said to Dio I went that sounds like the Killers that mm. I was going is it really <laughs> yeah I said no it really sounds like the Killers mm. and the reason it sounds like the Killers is mixed signals the song, the song is because it was written by the Killers, yeah, the killers. and played by the Killers yeah. so surely they should have a featuring <laughs> Because isn't that, isn't that the way they feet? Isn't that the way the kids do it these it days? It is. They feet. Yes, they feet. Plenty feet. And they're not feeting. Right. Um, I should also mention, probably mention the fact that um, what you call it's involved in as well. Rufus Wainwright. I saw. Uh, co-wrote three, three or four songs. Towards and the end. there's a duet on one of the songs. Which is kind of yeah. It's yeah. Kind of, it's kind of all right. If you go on to the extra tracks on the album, there's also a John Grant Robbie track. Really? In the uh, added extras, I don't want to hurt. I don't want to hurt you. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of glad I missed that. Yeah, which actually sounded a bit like an ABBA kind of ballad. Well, I might go back and have a look, but but yeah, yeah. it's just this. It's it's not a bad record, but it's 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 a bit. Meh. This this was the record I struggled with most. Uh, you may recall a couple of weeks ago I sent you a text referring to a, an album I was listening to and thinking. Yeah, well, I've assumed, assumed at that, st- that, sta- yeah. that stage in our, in our research that it must be this or Sting that you were, t- you were taking this. offence to. It was this one. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, I had a very low opinion of it when I first listened to it. Again, as, a, as with everything, it does reward on repeat listening. The thing is with, with this particular record is um, it, it's such a mishmash of styles that actually musically it's not a great album. But when you listen to the lyrics and you listen to the way that, that Robbie can sort of tell a story... Yeah, and it, it's almost kind of like a. It, it's as long as you mention that, I'm going. I'm going to mention them twice. It's almost a bit pet shop boysy in terms of that ability to sort of tell a story with wit, yeah, and humour and and rhymes. Um, that that actually sort of saves it really because when you listen to a track like "Party Like a Russian," um, where where he rhymes various um or cut, put, puts together sort of there the, was the, the bit in there where he goes you know i've got i've got my car in a plane in a boat in a plate in a bigger boat and it's sort yes. of you know that sort the of thing yeah. yeah you know I, which i thought was hilarious and it is quite funny when you listen that you hear those and, and and in the first few tracks especially there's a lot of humor in in those first few absolutely. tracks absolutely uh, and i think that sort of dies away as the album goes on i think the, the second half of the album is probably far weaker for it um, I love my life. That is your classic, Robert. It's it's feel. 
Yes, it is absolutely. Yes, and you know, yeah, I was trying. I was trying to think about the the name of Feel earlier on. It's just Feel Mark Two, uh, but written written for his daughter. It's uh, it's funny because you mentioned the following track, Motherfucker, and actually. Um, feel. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. So immediately proceeds it. So it's like there's a couple of tracks for my kid. Yeah. Um, which is very nice and very you know. Oh, well, you can't really sort of say, well, that's just rubbish. That it is a bit sh- schmaltzy. Um, but 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 I'd say the second half of the album just sort of tail away. It's a shame really because you've got the likes of Rufus Wainwright in there, and then you've got John Grant tucked away on the bonus tracks. It seems a shame really that it does sort of go that way. But. Um, yeah, sort of opening in the album very strong, and then it sort of tapers off. But but that humour and that sort of lyrical style that he's had, that he's always had, does sort of. Well, I think that's through. that's the thing that at least always makes him at least listenable, listenable because because yeah. he does write a good lyric and he mm. does have a, a, a good sense of humour and a good sense of wit. Uh, so so that kind of does make you kind of at least listen to uh, what, what the lyrics uh, are it's funny you mentioned you mentioned Stuart Price and I thought about the Pet Shop Boys that second track especially Part Like a Russian that's basically the Pet Shop Boys previous album <laughs> Electric sort of in what it's got it's got the classical Prokofiev Proko, Proko, you know Russian Prokofiev yeah the Russian composer you know the sample crammed in there it's got the wit the humour the jokes the Russians I thought oh yeah it's mind yeah. mind that <laughs> there you go. Speaking of minds. Speaking of minds. Speaking of minds. Um, I'll never cross your minds with. And uh, and actually, <coughs> the the the, the uh, Scottish oh, sandwich minds. in our, our po- podcast. It was nice. We got uh, two Scottish bands in a row. Oh. Uh, we start with uh, one that most well, people. I, I knew more, that about one of them. <laughs> one that <laughs> definitely more people will be aware of. Um, and this is Simple Minds. I'm not sure what album this is of, the, of theirs, but since it's kind of a best of, it's best it doesn't of. really matter. Is this our first best of? <laughs> uh, yeah, because we don't really do best ofs particularly, no. but this is uh, this is uh, Simply Minds acoustic, and yeah, it's <laughs> it's Simply Minds acoustic, isn't it? So, so the, the question is, as with all these things, I think with, with any, any time a band, because again, this has become quite a thing to do, hasn't it? Really, the mm. whole kind of let's reinterpret our back catalogue acoustic well, I hadn't, hadn't realised that but then I start seeing adverts for other bands probably of this period doing the same thing yeah and so so the, the question, question is that's the Tesla boys I'm yeah. looking forward to their acoustic <laughs> that would be good with all these things is you know does, does, does the acoustic interpretation of the tracks and detract or just make you go yeah it opens really well I think Really well. Yes. I, li- I like the American redone like this. Um, you know, really, really good. Um, there are. I also like Sanctify Yourself as well. Um, yeah, I always hated that song. Yeah, I know, but I really like. I really like the sort of the riff, the way that that was completely reinterpreted, um, as well. Um, and, and then you get to things like Alive and Kicking, which are a bit obvious. <laughs> but, but, True. But, but moving on. Um, there were so, there were some really, really nice moments on here because because again it's a band I've never really been in, into that much, but same absolutely but, same. I mean I mean if you presented these twelve thirteen twelve tracks to me and said there you go that's Simple Minds and the original versions and I've probably gone yep that's Simple Minds that is, um, so actually to hear this sort of reinterpretation, uh, acoustic. Well, acoustic, he says, yeah, doing acoustic-ish. quotation yeah. marks because this clearly isn't acoustic. 
Um, but the reinterpretations are, are, are very clever. And, and obviously, his voice has changed. Um, but sounds pretty good. But still sounds really good. Um, but obviously, really fits the music as well. I mean, this is purely, this is simply an album for Radio 2 listeners, is it not? It is really, yeah. And, and it's a, bit a, of a cool one. Christmas gift. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it is, and, and I, things I agree with as, as well. And think, simple, simple minds have a, a interesting place in my my, my kind of heart because I, I remember back in just after when they kind of started, which I think was kind of seventy eight, seventy nine. My cousins visited me in, in when I was still in England, and in England, Alan and Dawn, and they were raving about this band, Simple, mind, simple mm. Minds, and there was greatest things and sliced bread and stuff. Hadn't really heard of them. They weren't getting played on Radio One, so I didn't care. Didn't know them. No even by the time I moved to Glasgow in late '82, by which time they were just like they pretty much owned the city. Yeah, you know they were huge, really just huge in the city. But again, hadn't really broken out of Scotland particularly. It had a few kind of hit, kind of minor kind of hits, and but nothing kind of huge. And didn't really do anything for me at me, me, me all. Was, was listening to, kept listening to the records and thinking, no, no, not getting it, not getting it at all. Admittedly, <laughs> this was well, was right in the in the in the full throes of my heavy metal phase, <laughs> but still, just didn't get it. And then, cause then Breakfast Club comes out, eighty-five. <laughs> you know, and and you suddenly have, don't you forget about me? And I'm thinking, <laughs> I, and suddenly, and I, I remember just think, just thinking, yeah. what a great track. Yeah. That's really, really annoying. I hate this band, but what a great track. Yeah. Of course, a track that they didn't write. Yeah. Uh, amusingly, because it was written by, obviously, a bloke that used to work with Giorgio Moroder and um, and also produced the first two Billy Idol albums and actually wanted him to sing the song, and he turned it down. And that and Alive and Kicking, I thought, yeah, this, this is actually quite mm. good. Uh, and and for, for a couple of singles and stuff, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they did Belfast Child. <laughs> Uh, okay, normal service is resumed. <laughs> That's fine. Simple know. minds are no, shy to get. I, I, I never got that. I never got that record. Yeah, um, oh. but yeah, the, most of this album actually does work really, really well for me. And I, I suddenly thought there was kind of was a kind of vibrancy suddenly to some yeah. of these songs that uh, hadn't been there before. Yeah. So even even stuff like um, Waterfront and mm. Chelsea Girl, so which are two really early early songs, uh, suddenly I was thinking actually. Now I can see that these are really good songs, mm. whereas before it always been like. Meh. Well, I thought I thought it's funny. you mentioned don't you, don't you forget about me. I, there, there was there was an energy to that as well because that must be one of the most overplayed records of theirs ever. Yeah, and yet to hear this new version that's not too distant from the original, and yet it had that sense of newness about it, and you knew what was coming. You knew you knew where the song was going, and yet and yet it was new. Yeah, I, equally the the obviously the addition of Katie Tunstall on "Promise You a Miracle," <laughs> which kind of makes that quite yeah. fun as well, turning it into a kind of duet. Yeah, yeah. which I quite liked. Yeah, uh, so so there was a kind of an invention to it. I mean, um, there's another band at the moment from from this era ish um, advertising their acoustic. Well, some of that band are advertising. <laughs> some of that band are uh, advertising their acoustic version. It just sounds like the same old, same old, you know. Um, not that I want to do down that version of UB40, but at the same time, I think what's happened here is actually quite refreshing. Yeah. And as you said, we won't be hugely played on Radio 2, and yeah. you know, that's. Well, hey! Along with Ali Campbell. Indeed. 
<laughs> so sticking with Scotland, but I think actually moving to uh, Edinburgh, uh-huh. we have the second album from um, Scottish duo Honeyblood. Although bizarrely, this is a different duo from the first time round on their first album, um, since hey. between completing the, the yeah, yeah because between complete between completing the yeah. first album, the original drummer, yeah. uh, Shona McVicker, left because uh, she said she shouldn't hack touring all the time, yeah. and has been replaced by Cat Myers. Mm. Uh, however, since the uh, singer and guitarist Stina Tweedle was the main songwriter, hasn't kind of affected. Mm. things that much although it's probably a more kind of I suppose more rocky album than the first album but not much mm-hmm. um, and what I like what I like about this record is it immediately sounds Scottish to me vocal right. vo- vo- okay. vo- vocals the intonation is very kind of yeah. very, very kind of Scottish uh, you know not not someone pretending to sing an American accent it's mm. very kind of has real that's horrible things to say, um, but also what I like about it is it's it, it, it is the kind of indie album that appeals to me. So it's yeah. it's the kind, of, the kind of thing that kind of blends kind of belly lush, uh, also uh, well an unknown band, band that people don't forget uh, called Fuzzy yeah. style of kind of lo-fi indie rock, but yeah. but also adding a bit of that kind of Phil Spectorish sixties mm. kind of Ronettes type pop into it as well. Um, so this, when you've got the, you've got whilst you've just got the uh, distorted guitars, drums, and occasional distorted synths, as you'd expect from that kind of thing, there's also plenty of hooky pop choruses in there to kind of match those. Um, I actually did, I was actually a fan of the uh, de- debut album, but I think this record is a stronger and more consistent record than that because I thought that album had a few really good standout tracks, and the rest of it was pretty much filler. Um, whereas I think this is more consistent. Um, and again, it's, uh, it's quite a short record. Actually, most of the albums we've done in this podcast are quite short. Even even the even long, the long e- one. even the long album, which you get to at the end, is actually <laughs> quite short. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I just really really like like this like this album. So, Babes Never Die, the title track, is quite 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 fun. Yeah. Also, you've got things like Walking Up Moonlight and uh, Sister Wolf, which are both tracks I've been coming back to quite a lot over the last 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 week. And it's just a just a fun indie album, and and and. Given how often we talk about that whole thing of why is indie so meh, yeah, actually finding a fun indie album is actually good yeah. for, for me, and there hasn't been many. I agree. Um, uh, and I, I agree. There's a quintessential Britishness to this to this particular outfit. Although they could pass for American musically, yeah, um, and I think that's a good thing. Um, I mean, particularly on on. I thought the first half of the album sounded very sort of classic indie band. It's funny you mentioned Belly because I was really reaching for some, some sort of nineties band that it yeah. me of. I mean, the track and it's probably no accident with a track called Justine Misery Queen. I got a real Elastica vibe, real Elastica yeah, vibe, and that's probably deliberate given given the song. Um, my my brother in law actually mentioned Transvision Vamp, which I puzzled. With it oh, first, I suppose. yeah. But then, when the more I thought about it, I thought, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah, okay, well, that's, that's fair. That makes sense. Um, now, this is a really good album, really good album, a really enjoyable indie record. It's the sort of record we've not had for years now. You know, a real sort of proper indie album that we can both sort of 
enjoy and, and actually it's, it's a pleasure to listen to again and again um and but yet has that it's quintessential sort of british songwriter i mean is it cruel kids the one that talks about you know being at school and and uh um yeah, it's uh gangs no no gangs is one also also talks about being at school both, both those two about yeah, the whole school thing sort of like being a few streets away from the same people but yet different um you know you know it's the only sort of this the songwriting you only really get in british music um so so that so that's nice um no really good i really enjoyed this record i think it's coming it's coming out oh, oh, spoiler. Uh, it's coming out on top for me at the moment, ah, in this podcast okay yeah that sounds like bad news for uh jay jesse <laughs> leanne and perry as we move on to uh the what album? This is this little mix. I don't know, the fourth? fourth studio fourth. album already from Little Mix. Oh, nice. um, and this is called Glory Days. Um, obviously, this this one is follow up to the the, the previous one. <laughs> hey. uh, get get weird, which get actually weird. Is, which is the, has been their most popular to date and sung by the absolute bucket load mm. and. Uh, Featured the single Black Magic amongst, amongst other things, as sung by both our daughters and lots of other people yeah. around the world, me included, over and over again. Um, so the question is: Is there anything on here to kind of match up to that kind of that kind of poptasticness or not? Black Magic, no. But in all other respects, this is a really good album from them. In terms of, I think it's a progression on the last album. Um, I thought the last album was brilliant. Um, yeah, quite. I didn't mind. For, the, I didn't mind the last for, time at all. Actually. For that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think I think, I think this is a progression in style. Uh, and and on the last album, I recall the sort of nineteen sixties style R and B. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, there's sort of coming through, and they sort of lean on it that here as well. But yet, well, also... they even they even drag in Megan Trainer for a co-writing on one of the one of the things you can't get much much kind no, of uh, it, it, tapping it, it, into that fifties sixties thing exactly, than doing that. No, it, it, that well, that certainly rang rang a bell with me. And but but they also managed to do you know get, bring in the sort of, there's elements of grime and 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 reggaeton as well, and, and they managed to sort of blend all this, but do it in such a poptastic way, mate, um, that it, it comes out really. I, I think it comes. At, I'm, I'm going to use the catchphrase now. It's solid, but solid plus. Okay. You know, um, I, I mean, there's some really good track, good, really good tracks on here. Um, and uh, is it is it uh, not just shout out to my ex? It's um, Fu, which I also really liked as well. I say I, I, I really didn't like Fu. No, I liked Fu. <laughs> I thought I liked I liked Fu. In fact, sort of again, first half of the album, probably where most of the singles or potential singles are coming from. Yeah, see, and I favour the second half of the album, funnily yeah. enough. Okay, okay. But but I think the second half of the album is where it gets a bit more personal. And where that sort of musical maturity comes in. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think the second so half... There you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Picking it's... Picking up both halves? I think it's an okay album. My, my, if I'm, I'm, I'll get my criticism out of the, the way, first of all, before I start saying what I did like about it. I still, I still think overall there's an identity problem. Do you think? With the sound of the, the, sound of the record. So there's... Whilst I agree that it is a solid and you know a, so- a solid leaning to the thumbs up rather than thumbs down solid, oh, yeah, um, I still think there's too many tracks on the album for me that could be anybody. Could be Ellie Goulding, Zara yeah. Larson, Jesse J, yeah. that as, opp- as opposed to immediately hearing the song start and kind of going, "That's a little mix." Yeah. Um, 
clearly on stuff like um, Zarek to my ex and stuff like, stuff like that, there it's immediately going, oh yeah, little mix, definitely little mix. So stuff like on that, that and uh, power. Um, another track that I think is and private show. Mm. Very much knew who they knew who they were. Other things like down and dirty, which is a bit sub Britney. Mm. Um, the foo that you mentioned, have you? Mm. Uh, which didn't really do it for me. Um, I like a pop tune. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it just it just sounded too samey. But then again, they got the album went on, and then 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 it ends. I think really strongly. So I, th I think two of the, the standout tracks for me on the album are towards the, the latter half. So there's the uh, Nobody Like You, which is uh, the standout ballad on the record for me. Beautiful song. And the final track, actually, Nothing Else Matters, which yeah. I've been singing for most of the day. That's a nice, that's a really nice um, song. Yeah, no, fair enough. Which, as we'll get to the minute, sadly is not a cover of uh, <laughs> the Metallica song no, of the same, yeah. same, same, same name, <laughs> which would have been quite interesting if it had been. However, even the fact that it isn't, it's still a really good song. No, and yes, I, I think I'd say that's all, that's all fair comment. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't quite heat hit the um, pop pinnacle of, of the previous record as I said but but I think that they're certainly going for a they're certainly going for um, it's not quite the Sugar Babes no, but, but it's heading in that direction I thought the Sugar Babes achieved it a lot earlier in their career but they're sort True. of going for that, that kind of it's the, it's the gold band it's almost okay to like Yeah, particularly if you have a five year old daughter Six-year-old order, seven-year-old order, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I, mean? I agree. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, that means it's okay for for, for me as a forty-eight-year-old next year to go to go to, to, to go and see to go and see a little, little little mix in October. Then what I'm excellent. Tell, what I'm trying to tell you, Scott, is don't feel so bad about going to see them on tour next year. Yeah. See, we, we went we went to see Taylor Swift. We didn't have any children with us. I Yeah, but that was before she was cool. This is true. <laughs> Moving on. Good service at the bar, though, I seem to remember. Yes. <laughs> moving on. Uh, to moving on to the long album, which, as you say, we've got a long album that isn't a long album because it's made by a band who existed in the world of vinyl, so have made an album thinking of vinyl. Uh, so the new album from Metallica, first in, I think, seven or eight oh, years. Ages. Yeah. I'm quite shocked again. Yeah. How long it's been? So we've never done a Metallica album on the podcast because we had. We there hadn't been one to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, Hardwired Self Destruct it's a double album uh, as we mentioned bef before mm -hmm. so the first disc is uh, 37 minutes second disc is 40 minutes and um, this is presumably so 12 tracks so it's pretty much a classic three tracks to a side if it was vinyl you know 15 minutes 20 minutes yeah. ideal kind of thing and it's interesting because the, I mean when I, was, when I was downloading it I was thinking oh double album it's going to be something that's kind of an hour and a half long Stuck for time, not gonna have time to listen to this more than once. Blah blah. blah. And then you put it on, and it starts. And back to the identity thing, you know. Within the first couple of beats, you kind of know it's Metallica. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's clearly. Yeah. yeah. It's this. Yeah. Nobody else. Yeah. This is Metallica. This is Metallica. You know, does what it says in the tin. Yeah. Pounding Lars drums, mm. thrashing speed metal guitars, big riffs, gruff James Hetfield voice, 
thinking, mm. And in fact, the first first song as well is, even more uncharacteristically, very short. <laughs> yeah. It does all I've just said, and then it does it in three minutes, and it's done, and we're on to the next track, and thinking, wow, three-minute three three Metallica songs, when did that happen? Um, and so the, I was kind of like sticking my thing, oh, I've just hardly got my kind of ears on. And I heard Hardwired a few times before the album came out, and it didn't, didn't really do much, do much for me, and I was thinking, oh, is this going to be a crap album or not? Is it going to be good? Um, it's not a crap album. I actually think it's a, a very good album, and a, and a reminder, sadly, of how poor, generally speaking, heavy metal output has been in those intervening... Seven, 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 seven years because it immediately stands out as the best heavy metal album I've listened to in several years yeah. and one because it is I think it is a good album but two because frankly they don't really have that much competition anymore because heavy metal has kind of moved towards people doing impersonations of Green Day mainly mm. true which is quite sad yeah. in a lot of ways um, but anyway it, like I said it, it is Kind of what you what you expect it to be, lots of thrashy guitars, lots of rhythms. Kind of missing the uh, traditional power ballad that you'd expect in a Metallica album. There isn't actually one of those, interestingly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't think the album suffers from that from that greatly. I think the first disc is uh, slightly better than the second disc, although a couple of my favourite tracks are on the second disc. Um, Couple of songs that are written about people. So, "Moth, Moth into a Flame" uh, was actually inspired by the band watching Amy, the Amy Winehouse docu really? documentary, uh, and "Murder One" on the second disc, uh, which is basically a eulogy to uh, Lemmy. Right. Uh, I ahead. So, I second that. That standout tracks for, for for me are "Atlas Rise," which is the second track on the first first disc. Um, and then I really like Here Comes Revenge and I Am Savage which are the two m middle tracks mm. on, on disc, disc 2 which I think uh, work really really well but overall if you like your rock loud mm. and rocky this is the album to buy mm. agree hey I prefer the second disc to the first <laughs> <laughs> as I say I think the best tracks are on the second disc <laughs> yeah. apart, from, apart from Atlas Rise I just think the first yeah. disc no, it works opens, better as it, it opens really well no, I think my, my, my problem with the first disc uh, and I am picking at straws here to be critical is that it's just relentless it's just it is full on speed thrash metal yeah, track after track after track after track after track and I, I just found it I, I just found it a little bit Mm -hmm. Um Whereas I think there's more variety on the second disc, in that there are a couple of pauses for breath. There's a couple of almost ballady acoustic openings that then go back into the metal. There is a couple of acoustic bits you in know, the second album. So it sort of lulls you into false sense of security. And, and actually, I, I found the first four tracks of of of, of the second disc, uh, "Confusion," "Man and Kind," "Here Comes Revenge," and "I'm I Savage." Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I I, re I really I really like that portion of the yeah. of the album I completely agree with you of course Hardwired and Atlas Rise best best opening um, I just I just found that the second half just two was just much easier f for me <laughs> <laughs> to <listen> to. <laughs> that sounds lame um, but no no I just thought I just thought it was it was more like Metallica I think the first the first disc was very much right this is how we think Metallica sh should sound now 
Whereas actually the second disc felt just a bit more, just a bit more comfortable. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what I think good about it and what, I th what I'm glad about is um, kind of that the, the, the band clearly have just kept it simple. There's no, there's yeah. no, there's no, you know, in instrumentation wise, and this is a lesson to several bands in a, in a way, there's nothing to really date the band on this, this, al this album. So there's no kind of t intents to reinvent the wheel throw in some wacky vocals, throw in, throw in some particularly now sounds and stuff, yeah. stuff like that that will, five years down the line, make it sound like it was an album that was made today rather than an album that was made five years ago. So whilst that could be a criticism in some sense of the fact that it could have easily come out five years ago mm. as it could do in five years' time, yeah. um, I think as far as this kind of music goes, I think this will help it stay current and relevant in the rock genre. Exactly. Well, if you're a Metallica fan from 10 years ago and you suddenly fell through a hole in time and you suddenly woke up in a world where Brexit has happened and President Trump's coming to office, but someone offered you a Metallica album by way of some conversation, you'd be happy. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to go away disappointed with this record. No, you're not going <laughs> to... So uh, you've already, you've already, you've already nailed your. Uh, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> you've, you've nailed your. You've, you've nailed your colours to the mast on this, on this one. Doing what I did last last look, look, podcast. Yeah, um, I, I did this last time. I've got. I've had. I've, do you know? I've been listening back over the last three podcasts. I've had a real problem with this recently. I kind of, I keep, kind of keep picking one, but then finding two or three. <laughs> Changing your mind at the end, going, yeah. yeah, but that was quite good. Yeah, that was also quite good. Uh, I'm going to stick with Honey Blood. I'm going to stick with Honey Blood. Um, but on reflection. Um, hell, Metallica's not far off. Yeah, for me, it's, it's Honey Blood and Metallica are the two standout oh, records yeah. of this yeah. podcast for me. Uh, so that's another one, another one done. And like yeah. I said, it's our, our, our kind of last one, one of the year. Um, but for regular listeners, they'll know that our very last podcast of the year mm. uh, is always a uh, when we do our rundown of album of the year and various other awards, yes. which we'll be doing as per, per usual. But they'll also know that one of the things we do is, is keep an eye on other end-of-year lists. And they've already started to roll in, unbelievably. And with seven in so far, from, every year, yeah, from Mojo Uncut, Fop Records, Piccadilly Records, Decibel and Rough Trade and his Esquire. Good grief. Their, one, their top five currently reads David Bowie, Nick Cave, Radiohead, Iggy Pop and the VOCs. Right. Um, how that reflects on the albums we've reviewed this, this year is uh, Bowie's number one, Nick Cave number two. Um, we reviewed Bowie in podcast one, by the way. Nick Cave in podcast ten. Uh, PJ Harvey's number three, which is podcast six. Teenage Fan Club number four, podcast ten. Yeah. Michael Kuanuka, podcast eight, is number five. Riley Walker, podcast nine, number six. Angel Olsen, podcast ten, number seven. Podcast wow. ten was doing very popular. Yeah, bon Iver, podcast ten, ten. number eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bat for Lashes, this is Nine, which is from Podcast 8. Wow. And surprisingly, Heinz, the uh, uh, band from Madrid, who, mm. all go band from Madrid we did in the first podcast, mm. is currently sitting there at number 10. Um, interestingly, we didn't, have a sing we didn't review a single album that was in Decibel's top 40. Um, this might, might be because Decibel, funny enough, is a uh, rock thing. And for the record, their album of the year was... Kimis 
Hunted, which is a doom metal album apparently, uh, which was just edging out the grindcore of Neon's You Will Never Be One of Us. This sounds like the sort of records we should be listening to. Which is strange, we, we have done doom metal no, and stuff in the past year, so yeah. uh, clearly we've been letting ourselves down this year yeah. that, we, that the Decibel Top 40 has passed us by. Wow, anyway, join us next time for some Christmas <laughs> fun. Good. Yeah, you know, you know and some Christmas. other stuff. And perhaps some added Bowie. Till then. You've been listening to the CTTV Music Podcast. <laughs>